This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, two seconds, big, catch a three. Maximize in the crowd with Barrett. Five on the 24. Barrett previously in the airport. The drive, the land, Carbone coming at you with another episode of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, <clears throat> episode 130 tonight of BD4. Hope everybody's doing all right. You know, still in the same routine. We're starting to get starting to get a little more movement, really, in each of the major sports. And <clears throat> I don't know, <clears throat> some um. Somebody told me, or I think I saw on Twitter, I'm not much of a hockey fan. Not a hockey fan as, as I used to be, but I'm hearing the NHL is, is planning on getting back, <laughs> um, getting back under, you know, getting underway again. Um, I think they're, they're, I don't know if it's official, but I'm pretty sure they are, they have a plan, you know, set in stone to return um, and immediately go into the playoffs. Now, the NBA, there's a very good scenario that, you know, I bring the NHL up because the NBA, there's a good chance they could follow that same format, maybe, <clears throat> and, uh, and, you know, go right into the playoffs. I think to me, you know, as much as I love the Knicks, um, as an NBA fan, um, you know, and as a Knicks fan, I guess, um, it's best to go right into the playoffs. It makes the most sense. No need to waste, you know, regular season games and waste time on, on teams like the Knicks who aren't going to make the playoffs. Um you know, I think the best case scenario is to just go right into the uh, the postseason if you're the NBA, um, you know, in the normal format or briefing or whatever they want to do. But I think, you know, as an NBA fan, from a perspective of, of an NBA fan, I think that's probably the smartest thing to do. Um, but yeah, you know, it's I guess it's a slight positive that we're starting to hear more, you know, um, rumblings, I guess, you know, in terms of uh, getting back underway here in the sports world. So that's a, that's a positive for sure. Um, <laughs> now the MLB is a little different, right? We're still kind of hearing all these negotiations and, you know, the players are fighting the owners and vice versa, and they want this, they want that much money. And that's just, that nonsense has been going on for, for months now. And it's heated up over the past couple of weeks and it doesn't seem like there's going to be a conclusion anytime soon. You know, we, we hear that, I don't know. We just hear this constant noise and it's not a good look for baseball, not a good look for the players, for the owners. It's just, it's not really something I've paid much attention to though, because I really don't care at this point, you know, with all the drama and all the bullshit, I just want to know if there's going to be a baseball season or if there is not going to be a fucking baseball season. So I just want to know, you know, um, but that's, that's my perspective. That's just me. <laughs> um, now tonight, Back to the podcast, we're going to be diving into um, another prospect, you know, in this lottery. 
Um, this time we're we're going to be changing it up. I'm not really going to be talking about a guard or a, you know or a wing, um, more of a big. Uh, we're going to be talking about Obi Toppin. I believe is how you pronounce his name. And Toppin is, <clears throat> yeah, he's a he's a he's a forward. Um, he's from Dayton. Now I, I got to give a, a shout out, I guess, to my um my buddy, my cousin uh, Mike. Mike Fashini. If you haven't followed Mike on Twitter, be sure to do so right now. Uh, follow him at follow him at um M F A C C H twenty three, I believe. I'll put the uh, I'll put the handle in the uh, description, you know, on YouTube, um, just in case you need to see it. So follow him on Twitter M F A C C H twenty three. Um, he was the one who recommended Obi to me um a while back, and you know he's been on his he, he loves. He loves this kid, and um, you know, I, I see it. I see, I see why people are intrigued by this kid, and we're going to talk about him as soon as we get back from break, though, guys. So, really quick, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, right? If you haven't subbed to BD4, be sure to do so right now. Just go to my website, go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Do that right now, and um, yeah. That'll take you to a page that displays all my information, where to follow me on social media, uh, where to subscribe to the blog, and, of course, the many different platforms to subscribe to the podcast that are all displayed there as well. So just go to my website, and we're going to take a quick break. And then once we get back, yeah, we'll, we'll dive right in and start talking about OB Toppin. All right. fellas really quick before we continue with the show i just want to remind you if you haven't yet subscribed to bd4 be sure to do so right now just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect Six nine forward with a two hundred twenty pound weight and a seven two wingspan. Um, the wingspan is kind of unofficial. I couldn't find an official one. I've heard you know it ranges anywhere from you know when I was looking it up, it ranged anywhere from seven two to seven six, and I think seven six was a little too much. I think the um, the one I found most was said seven two. So we'll go with seven two wingspan for Obi Top or Obi Toppin, and yeah, Toppin's a power forward. You know, 22-year-old kid, a little old for his class, but from Dayton, played there for two seasons at school. Um, now, his sophomore season was his final season where he you know, improved in almost every, you know, major statistical category and then some. Um, he jumped off the charts, was probably the most electrifying, you know, flashiest player in college this year. Um, 
and you know through 31 games with 32 minutes per night he he put up some very productive numbers 20 points eight rebounds two assists per game on a shooting efficiency split of 63 percent from the floor 39 percent from three 70 percent from two and 70 percent from the free throw stripe uh, did this on a volume of 12.5 field goal attempts per game 2.6 three-point attempts, 9.8 two-point attempts, and 4.5 free-throw attempts per game. Uh, defensively, he collected 1.2 steals and 1.2 uh, blocks. Um, and then <clears throat> the fouls, he only fouled 1.6 times per game, and then turnovers, 2.2 uh, per game. So, yeah, he had a very big jump <clears throat> when you look at the uh, increases in, you know, all the major statistical categories. Fucking uh, Obi was somebody who jumped up there. And, you know, took off this year and really improved his draft stock. You know, I think he's now looked at as a, obviously he's in the lottery, but I think he'll be, you know, you can make a case that he's going to be selected, you know, anywhere from three to five or, or top five. You know, he there's a chance he's even in the top five from one to five. So <laughs> this guy, you know, people like him. People are very intrigued with him. Um, now, I've heard a lot. I really, I really have heard a ton of comparisons when it comes to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to Toppin, um, I've heard, you know, the one everybody has said, everybody says this, and this is one I, honestly, I've said this one before I even started seeing everybody else say it. I made this comparison a while ago. I actually texted my buddy, Mike, who, you know, again, recommended him to me and told him that Obi reminds me of this player. And this guy is uh, Amari Stoudemire. Now, everybody's, of course, saying it now. But I swear to you, I was saying this before I even knew. But Amari Stoudemire is one of the comparisons everybody's trying to uh, give to somebody like um to Toppin. And I see it. You know, at least, you know, Phoenix Suns version of Amari when he was healthy and, and athletic and really peaked. Um, You know, so I see the Amari comparison, you know, maybe with some more shooting and more fluidity, right? That's who Toppin could possibly become if he peaks out. Um, I've heard Bam Adebayo, you know, because you know, he's an interior force, powerful. I, I really I agree with that one, too. I like that that comparison a lot. Um, I've heard Marcus and Markeith Morris, right? The Morris twins have kind of been tossed around as comparisons. I see it, you know, the similar build, uh, that same type of swagger. Um, I, I see the Aaron Gordon comparison. I saw that on, tw uh, not Twitter, I saw it on Instagram um, a buddy I follow actually made that Aaron Gordon comparison. And I agree with that, you know, an athletic wing, very athletic with some size. I see that. Um, I've heard Kenyon Martin, you know, maybe with some more offense. I've heard a lot. Um, one I like to, to compare maybe if, uh, if Toppin doesn't exactly pan out and if his defense never improves and maybe the offense doesn't translate, uh, Jalil Okafor, right? A lot of hype, little results. So I think maybe as a possible floor, basement floor, uh, maybe Okafor, maybe even tossing Jeremy Grant, solid role player, if you think he'll be somewhere in between, you know, uh, poor to great. <laughs> yeah, so a lot, a lot of, of uh, comparisons here when it comes to Obi. Um, but I think the two I like most are the Amari Stoudemire comparisons and the uh, Bam Adebayo one. I love the Amari one though. The Amari one I think takes the cake. That's that's very um, you know very spot on. Now, in terms of his again his ceiling, we've compared him to Amari, so I think he's got you know all star potential. Um, somebody who if he does peak out. 
could win multiple all-stars, uh, could could make multiple multiple all-star games and and really uh, be an effective, you know, productive offensive machine. Um, the floor is kind of pretty questionable to me. I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure out how it works, but I do. There are some very, very intriguing, uh, you know, aspects to Obi's game. And um, so we'll, we'll start with the strengths. Um, now I, I've got one, two, three, four, four strengths wrote, uh, written down for Obi. I've got number one here. I think the focal point of his game is his athleticism and size, right? Makes up, you know, to be a good scorer. Um, I've got playmaking abilities. I've got post efficiency as my third uh, strength. And then um, last but not least, in no particular order here, um, shooting efficiency and upside. So those are my strengths. Now some weaknesses I have down here, um, defense and rebounding. Um, that's probably his biggest weakness. And then we've got in no particular order, handles, post versatility, and his overall fit with the New York Knicks. Those are kind of some things we just got to think about. And the swing factors here, um, uh, shooting and defensive rebounding are the two swing factors that will really determine his NBA career. So let's go and start with the strengths of his game, right? And we'll begin with his, again, his biggest strength, um, which will be the focal point of, of OB's game, is that is that um that athleticism and that size he possesses. He's got he's an athletic freak. He's a specimen out there. Um he's got an elite vertical, a very elite vertical, powerful, again explosive and an electric player. Somebody who's just a great finisher at the rim. Such a good finisher. Very flashy and, and he's got a very creative dunk package. Um and a very soft touch around the basket too. So when he's laying it in He's pretty good with both hands. Um, now, when he's in the post, you know, when his back is to the basket, he utilizes you know, his big body and he takes advantage of, of mismatches and he'll, he'll power you with his back to the basket. Actually, you know, I'm going to read a statistic here. And um, just for reference, uh, credit to Spencer, per Spencer Perlman of, I think it's pronounced the Stepian. You know, I, I got some of these statistics from him. Um, so credit to him. And um, just a note here, a side note. These, you know, a couple of statistics that I'm going to read, and I'll let you know which ones. Uh, they're the percentile ones. Um, they were uh, recorded with about six games left in top in season. So they, you know, they're, it's not, um, these percentages aren't 100% accurate as of today, right? They were before he finished his season. He had about six games left in the season. Um, so he was 86 percentile, though, up to the last six games in terms of post-up points per possession. So, again, Obi Topin uses that elite vertical and excellent size to, you know, bully his opponents at the rim. <clears throat> That's his best, you know, best uh, strength there. But he's got some speed, too. He's an excellent transition type of scorer because of that speed. Um, and, again, another one of these stats here. He was in the 92nd percentile for a while um, in terms of scoring in transition with points per possession. So, very effective there. Um, he always beats his man on the break often because of that speed. He seems to hustle. Um, he seems to have that quickness to him to where he's just always one step ahead of his guy. Um, he's just a great cutter in the half court too. A constant lob threat. You know, somebody who can throw down the lob and really score off the cut. Actually, another stat here in the 92nd percentile um, in terms of points per possession as a cutter. So very, you know, all these numbers here are very productive offensively here when you look at Toppin's numbers. Um, very versatile, very versatile as a as a guy who can score um, from that position. 
And then some quickness here. You know, he's got an excellent second bounce when he's at the rim underneath it, uh, you know, in the RA. He's got a quick bounce, um, so it provides some upside as an offensive rebounder. And again, we mentioned that that um, that soft touch at the rim. So, and here, another statistic I have written down. He was in the 99th percentile in terms of points per possession on the offensive putbacks. So, very, you know, all these percentiles you're seeing, he's, he's right up there. He's high up there. Always ranking amongst the best. So very productive offensive player in terms of scoring, but he brings some very impressive playmaking abilities for somebody of his size, right? A good feel as a passer for a big man. He's very unselfish. He reads the defense exceptionally well, knows when the double's coming, knows when he's getting trapped, and really knows how to read. Has a high IQ as a passer, a good short roll passer. Um, great passer on the post up, you know, when his back is to the basket, he loves to kick it to the opposite corner. Very good at that. I've seen highlights of that plenty of times. Um, and he passes well on the move. So he's not just a stationary passer. He can pass well on the move as well. So he's somebody, I think if he continues to improve his handle, which might need some work, I think he's somebody who could give you three to four, you know, assists per game in the NBA. If he does peak out now, um, Let's move on to post efficiency. Um, I've got that his post game is very efficient. We mentioned it already, though. You know, kind of a a good post up passer and a good post up scorer at a low volume. But so we'll move on from that. Um, and then here I have shooting efficiency and upside as the final uh, strength to Obi's game. Now he's got stretch four potential, so he's not just a bully down low. This is somebody who you know in his freshman season at school who he shot fifty four percent from three. Now, granted, it was only twenty one attempts, but you know, took a big jump in attempts in his sophomore year when he took 82 three-pointers and still, you know, dropped significantly but nailed a, a pretty efficient 39% for a big. So 54%, 39%, and overall in school, when you count those two together, he was 43 for 103, which is obviously 42%. So very efficient shooting as a big. Um, somebody who I love, I love to think of him as a Amari, again, Amari, an Amari Stoudemire type of guy with a shooting uh, with more shooting upside. And I think if he can be somebody who can take that three-point shot at the NBA level and not abuse it, though, not just become a you know a straight-up stretch four, but just be somebody who dominates on the inside and takes two, maybe three three-pointers a game, that would be great. I don't want him becoming somebody who just launches up jumpers, right? Like a typical modern big who just does it too much. Like somebody like um, Joel Embiid who doesn't take advantage of his size and elite, you know, agility down low. I would love for Topin to keep being, you know, using his strength and that athleticism, that size with an occasional three point, you know, attempt, you know, somebody who will still take enough, but not abuse it. And a better example here, Julius fucking Randall. Right. Um, so I, I think, I think there's some potential here for him to occasionally stretch the floor at the NBA level and some more indicators. Um, Along with the fine mechanics, I, I like the mechanics. I think they're pretty decent. But, you know, he, he's a pretty fair free throw shooter, 71% on 228 total attempts at school. So it's there. Um, I, I, it's there to be a good, maybe not off the bounce, but he, he's a very good catch and shoot, pick and pop type of shooter, right? Somebody who, and I'm going to read another stat here, um, was in the 96th percentile in terms of spot up points per possession. So again, another very productive number for, for Obi, a good spot up pick and pop guy who going to have potential in this league as a catch and shoot big from the perimeter, you know, occasionally I would hope. Um, 
Now let's get to his uh, his flaws because, again, the uh, the upside here is is tremendous. I think the ceiling couldn't be higher. Um, I really like his ceiling, but you know he he has some flaws. And his biggest flaw, unquestionably, his biggest flaw, Obi Toppin is his defense and rebounding. Um, it starts with that motor. The effort kind of comes and goes. Um, got pretty. He's got pretty poor awareness. You know he'll have trouble reading screens. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, like pick and roll recognition, I guess. You know, pretty poor at recognizing pick and roll. Kind of gives me some Ennis Cantor flashbacks, which is not good. Um, yeah, trouble reading the offense, right? Doesn't always read the offense as much as you would like. He really struggles there defensively with that awareness and trying to figure out what's going on and where the play is going to go next. Um, and, you know, a, a reason for that. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's late on closeouts so often because he's, you know, he played for Dayton who didn't have much depth at that position. And, you know, he didn't want to rush out to the perimeter and, and, you know, and, and risk a foul and tried to stay out of foul trouble. Maybe that was kind of a reason for him being so late at times. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch, but defense needs work um, all around the floor too. It's not just, you know, mentally. Um, rim protection needs work. He's got pretty poor instincts under the rim defensively. Uh, some positioning issues. He's always moved out of his, you know, pushed off his spot and doesn't really position himself well. Has pretty poor timing and the instincts don't seem to be there. And I think we said that. And um, he's a poor rotator. Not a great rotator yet. So poor rim protection. Perimeter defense, right? That one-on-one ISO D needs to improve. Um, I don't love that. He's pretty slow laterally and flat-footed, heavy-footed. The footwork is not great. Um, it's going to give him some issues guarding in space. And, you know, obviously with slow feet, he can't really change directions too well and position himself. Um, now, rebounding here, pretty mediocre numbers for a guy of his size and of his athleticism. You know, only averaged 9.1 rebounds per 40 minutes at Dayton through 64 games, you know, but again, there's room to improve considering his size and his leaping ability when he's under the rim. So that's not something I'm too, too concerned about. It's more the defense and, you know, how much he has to improve defensively. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I've also got his handles can be loose at times, very iffy with his left hand. He's more right hand dominant when he's, when he's ball handling, but that's again, something I think can improve. Um, He's not going to be somebody who's handling a ton unless he's in the post, which, again, he was pretty efficient at just at a lower volume. So if he can figure out a way to improve his handle slightly, I don't think that'll be too big an issue. Um, but the post versatility, you know, he does need some more moves. He's not the most versatile in the post, doesn't have many moves, um, and not really strong enough yet to where at the NBA level he'll be able to, you know, bully bully uh, players like he does in, in, at Dayton. You know, he, he needs more upper and lower body strength, um, I think, to be, you know, to be able to do that against fours and fives. Um, but the upside is here, you know, with, with a good starting frame, you know, at 6'9", 220, um, and, and the quickness and, again, the adequate enough handle. So uh, the starting frame is there to where I think he'll eventually put on some more muscle, um, and become an effective, more effective at a higher volume post player. Now, here's the the really interesting question. Here is we want I, you know if you've listening if you've been listening to this or if you're watching this, you probably wanted me to get on this. What is his overall fit with the Knicks? Right, if the Knicks were to draft him, which I don't think they're going to, 
if he's available. I just have that gut feeling they're going to just look at their guards, you know, their the availability with the guards. But let's let's just say, you know, what was it? What was it? What would his fit be? It would obviously require. You would have to think it would require the Knicks moving Julius Randle, since he takes up that four spot. Then you got guys coming off the bench. You got Knox, who likes to, you know, who's probably going to be a four. You got Iggy. And I know you might not be big on Knox, but the Knicks obviously are still trying to figure him out. Um, you've got Ignas Brostegas in Westchester. You know, to play off the bench at the four for now. Maybe you've got this fucking even more um, Kenny Wooten, right? He's a guy who Knicks fans are really looking at to be their their power forward going forward. So that, that's an upcoming, you know, an up and coming prospect with big time defensive potential. Um, something Obi doesn't bring, and it's it's really it makes you question where does this guy go? You know, do the Knicks want to go with talent over fit? You know, they're not really in a position to where they can pick and choose and just go for fit. You know, they really need as much talent as they can. But at the same time, you do have to start thinking, you know, how much could you really, how many bigs could you really have on one fucking roster? Um, you know, he's going to have to, um, I don't know, I think a lot, again, a lot depends on these two swing factors, you know, his shooting and his uh, his defense. Um you know, if he can become, if he can keep improving as a shooter, and if that translates into the NBA, then that'd be great. You know, provide some great floor spacing for the Knicks. But if it doesn't, he's not going to fit well next to Mitchell Robinson. He's not going to fit well in the same lineup with Mitchell and R.J. Barrett, who can't shoot. So a lot is you know, relying on him to be able to continue that shooting um, prowess, right, to bring some more lineup flexibility. And speaking of lineup flexibility, he's going to have to improve his defense to be, you know, to be able to um, you know, make the whoever the next coach is for the Knicks to make their job more more easier, right? How much can he improve as a defender? Is that offensive production enough to ignore the poor defense that might not get any better than adequate? You know, so you know, is he going to be the next Blake and DeAndre with Mitchell Robinson, and or is he just going to be the next Okafor? You know. Um, I don't know, guys. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting. A lot of questions here, but a lot of things to like. There's so many different factors on both sides that really intrigue me. But all in all, if I were to make a decision, guys, I'm not exactly sure he's my first option. I would probably say in order, the guys I really want, I would go LaMelo, Killian, 1 and 1A. 1A and 1B, I go LaMelo and Killian. Um... And then I guess Toby would be my two. I really, I don't know. He intrigues me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not being smart. Maybe there are, maybe the Knicks should just straight up focus on guards and getting their point guard playmaker of the future. Probably the smartest thing. A lot of people like Hallie Burton, Cole Anthony. I don't know. Maybe I, I jumped the gun here and maybe Obi isn't my second preference. I really don't know for sure, but he might be more three or four or five. I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's so many things I've got to think it over, but. I just, I don't know if he's my first option. I, he's not, but I don't know what I'm saying right now, guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, it's it's tricky because I see the talent, but the fit is just so not there right now. There are so many things the Knicks would have to do and, and try to think about in order for this to, to, to work out. So I don't know. You let me know. How about that? Uh, we're going to go, uh, we've got our, uh, our NYY, NYK question of the day coming up. So let's get to that right now. 
All right. Um, so last night's question was, let me just uh, pull it up because I don't have it up yet. Last night's question, pulling it up right now. Give me one sec. Yeah, so the on the last show, our question was, in episode 129, our question, just to repeat it one more time, was who took the Knicks to the NBA Finals in the 1970 season um, where they won the title? Who took the Knicks to the 1970 NBA Finals? Who was the coach that did it? Um, I asked it last episode, and I told you I would reveal the answer in this episode. Now, the answer here, once again, who took the Knicks to the 1970 NBA title? Red Holtzman. Red Holtzman. Um, if you if you got that, good for you. If you didn't, oh well, next time. Um, but yes, Red Holtzman took the Knicks to the 1969-70 title. Um, that was their first, I believe it was the Knicks' first title ever. Um, so yes. Now tonight's question. Here we go. What number did Walt Clyde Frazier wear as a Nick? What number did Walt Clyde Frazier wear as a Nick? NYY, NYK, question of the day. Let me know your answer. Inbox me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Comment on YouTube. Comment on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Anywhere, any way you can get a hold of me. Let me know the answer, and I will give you the answer in the next show in episode 131. Guys, this is it. This is all we've got for tonight. Obi Topin. That was who we, uh, Obi Toppin, I think is pronounced. That was who we covered tonight. And that's going to be it, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by. This has been Rob Carbone with episode 130 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees in mix analysis. Guys, thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Ciao.